Welcome to my podcast, In the Driver's Seat. My name is Sonia Driver and I'm the founder of EcoTan, an Australian organic clean beauty company. Come with a curious mind and an open heart and hopefully it will leave you with a gift. I'll be inviting inspiring and fascinating people into the driver's seat. People whom I connect with and I believe you will too. I'll be unravelling layers of them and their story and that's where we'll find the gold. Buckle up, it's going to be one hell of a ride. Warning, this is an explicit podcast. There is swearing. Maybe a lot. Welcome to my podcast. I am absolutely jumping out of my skin for my next guest. And I'm absolutely honoured to call him a friend of mine. Even though we have never met, we have been friends for many years and been on secret missions together, haven't we, Owen? Yeah, just like yesterday, Sonia, I'm so grateful that you would consider me to come onto your podcast. So very grateful. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're the number one on my list. So Owen's <laughs> had an absolutely incredible life. It is stuff of movies. Really, he was a standover man, a gun for hire um, for bikies or any criminals. Um, he had a life of drugs, prostitution, um, really dark, evil shit that almost destroyed him to absolute utter light on this earth. And not very many people can actually claim that, Owen. Oh, that is a testament to you and to a supernatural higher power because seriously, for you to still be here and doing what you're doing with your life is a miracle. There's, it's impossible that human beings can do such a turnaround than what you have done with your life. So congratulations. You know I like to. I need to honour that in you. Oh, thank you very much. And I, re- I received that that that, um, that joy from you. Thank you. Yeah. So what tell us about your like. I mean, like, so many stories, but I love your testimony. But especially the one on the beach when you went to blow your brains out with a gun. Well, you had two guns on you at the time. But take us back to the beginning. Take, you, you share your testimony, and I'll just butt in occasionally. Yeah. Uh, listen, there are many people who've been through brokenness and um, experienced hardships in their life and mine just came by the way of uh, my best friend sleeping with my girlfriend, uh, mm-hmm. a girl that I was wanting to marry and uh, at that stage I'd just come out of the Royal New Zealand Navy as a Navy clearance diver. Uh, I represented New Zealand at national and international level so, you know, aspects of my life as well. I was, I was living a life that was incredible and uh, that part of my next journey was I'm going to marry the girl of my dreams and Never say this to your best friend. Bo, look after my missus. Oh, no. <laughs> no, bad so thing. Came, you know, no, terrible. Like, I was like, she was, the, she was the crown of the town, you know what I mean? And yeah. everybody wanted her. And I got her and I thought, yeah, I'm going to marry that one. And so uh, when I came back from the World Bodybuilding Champs from America, um, and one of my other friends had, had briefly just told me on the side, and with disbelief, I thought, nah, friends don't do that. But it was actually true. So uh, I went out for a couple of days drinking the to, um, you know, calm my spirit. I was angry, I was broken, rejected, and, um, and then a spat of violence came upon me. I thought, well, I'm going to really deal with this, and so I um, don't go and do this thing, because this is what I did. I, um, after drinking copious amounts of whatever, I turned up on her doorstep, and his car just happened to be out the front. Uh, uh, I wrote oh. something real nasty on his <laughs> on his windscreen, uh, 
And then I knocked on the door and she opened the door up and she said, what do you want? And I said, uh, well, I haven't actually come to speak to you. I've come to speak to Raymond. She goes, you better go now. I'm about to call the police. I said, we'll call the ambulance too. Oh, sure. <laughs> and, uh, and then I heard his voice in the background there. He goes, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to fight you. I said, that's right. I'm here to give you a beating. <laughs> and so that's what I did. I beat my friend up. And then I heard the cop guard come in. I thought, he, he was the thought in my mind, you know what? Life is not worthwhile living. I was heartbroken. Yeah, of course. And um, so I, I walked up to this big cliff called Bluff Hill. And um, I put one foot over the, the rail and one foot over the side of the cliff. And all I had to do was just take one step. But two hours later, I talked myself out of it because it was too high. <laughs> Oh, praise Jesus. <laughs> so, I, so I said some nasty stuff to the God that sits up in the clouds that I didn't know. And so I thought, well, you know, I don't really want to stay in my hometown because everyone knows that I was betrayed. And so I went uh, snowboarding with a friend of mine and uh, you know, for a few months. And then uh, I got into a spot of trouble at the pub where I beat up a couple of <laughs> mongrel mob members and threw them out the window. And uh, uh, they told me that the family was coming back to kill me. So I... Um, I jumped on a plane. I was 25 years old then. It was 1997. And uh, with my broken heart, a bag full of clothes, and a really good CV resume, I found myself in Sydney. And um, listen, I, 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 I didn't have that much money, $500. And I ran out of money. I stayed at King's Cross. And my last $100, uh, I, I could never bring myself to ask for help from my family or friends. And so with my bag, I found a park down the bottom of King's Cross, and uh, made my home in a uh, a big cardboard box, and man, bought a packet of chips and, and a loaf of bread, and that was my that was my food really for the next week. Um, I, I didn't know that there were churches or or places that you could go and eat food, you know. And so I wandered the streets, and uh, I made friends with all these Aboriginal street kids, and they knew that I was lost, and they knew I was hungry. So um, I learned very quickly. Um, how these little kids survived on the street. Um, this part of my story I never really got to share uh, because it was a secret in my heart and I didn't want to share that in my brokenness uh, I became a male gigolo or a, um, a male prostitute. That was hard for me to share. Uh, even men can you know, sell their bodies for uh, whatever. For me, I was hungry um, and that's the hardest thing I've ever did in my life and most men would say well how many women did you sleep with how much money did you make but for me I never cheated on my girlfriend or anything like that so um, um, yeah it was part of my life I really wanted to hide but uh, as you'll hear somewhere along this, this story here what I do now around the world is um, do stuff with human sex trafficking, child prostitution uh, anything to do with the sex industry uh, in different parts of the nations like Iraq, Russia Tajikistan I'm involved with and uh, parts of Thailand, and so um, so anyway, I um, I found myself uh, in the company of people who were uh, security guards on the biggest nightclubs in Sydney, um, and one of them asked me if I wanted to go for a, uh, a ride ride in the car with one of the brothers the next day um, if I wanted some work, and so uh, I was looking to get out of that sex industry job, and so I went for a ride in this car. You know, a big Kiwi guy, and he said, oh, and under the seat there, there's a, um, there's a bag there. Inside it, there's, that's yours. I said, what is it? And he have a look. So I opened this green canvas army bag up, and it was uh, a loaded shotgun, sawn-off shotgun with a balaclava. I went, holy shit. 
why don't we go on pig hunting? He goes, do you think they're just going to give us the money? I thought, what money? And he goes, he opened the door. I like, he said, open the door. And he said, get out. If you want to get out, you can get out if you want. Well, I never got out of that car. No. And so um, that was my introduction into the uh, deep, dark underworld of debt collecting. And so in a very short time, um, I found myself with police looking for me. They caught up with me at a nightclub. Uh, we tried to walk out of the nightclub, and there were like 50 cops with guns drawn. Shit. And... Um, I got my first set of handcuffs on. I'll tell you, tell you what, Sonia, my first experience of prison was the scariest thought that I'd ever, ever, ever been to because I watched so many movies about people who've been to prison. Yeah. And do, do, do you know what my fear was? What? There's going to be some big black man named Bubba. Yes. 180 kilos. Yes. And I ain't getting raped by no man in oh. prison. <laughs> so this is what I thought. Right? I, I'm looking raped by men. I'm just going to knock out the biggest person that I can see in prison, and that's what I did. Just to let them I know, out the don't, biggest guy yeah. in the prison. Shit. <laughs> I don't want to be raped by no man. So they thought, oh my god, this guy's a little violent pit bull. But actually, <laughs> I was just fearful of being raped by men. Yeah. You were just sending <laughs> so a message. I made a name for my, yeah, made a name for myself in prison. So when I got out, I um, I went to live with uh, national president of the bike gang. And uh, within a very short time, I was working with Russians and Stavians and uh, people in the underworld. So um, I learned the trade really, really fast. But I want to tell you, I've never killed anybody. I've been shot at. I've been stabbed. I've been copious amounts of drugs and lots of other stuff. And uh, But I've ne- never killed anybody. But I've been in and out of prison for uh, many times. And so I, um, um, after five years in Sydney, I went to Queensland and did the same thing. I looked after nightclubs. I was around drug industry. I was around debt collecting and mediating. And uh, at that time, I was heavily addicted to methamphetamine, crack cocaine, and smokable heroin. Uh, and uh, just totally off tap. Um, and it came to one part of my life where I was, um, um, I was. I was asked to go and do some work for a bike gang and uh, the circumstances behind what I was going to do on the Gold Coast uh, led to me being arrested again. Um, we actually robbed one of the biggest drug dealers in the country at gunpoint as police officers for $900,000 and a kilo of cocaine <laughs> as police, but we weren't police. That's right. Um, I remember that you um, were impersonating yeah. the police. And that's probably why you yeah. got a really, really heavy sentence as well, didn't you? Yeah, for sure, because the, um, the, like the Australian government didn't want to see uh, people impersonating police officers no. robbing drug dealers in the community. Fair and uh, <laughs> so I had many hitmen that came after me, and um, you know it got it got so bad that I was cornered by five men in one of these bike gangs, and uh, they just about killed me. They pulled my eye out, they ripped oh. my ear off, I got stab marks all over my body, and uh, so I, I copped a fifteen minute bashing by these guys with steel hammers. It's the only time I never had my gun on me. I would have shot them all in the state that I was in. So um, um, they couldn't wrap me up in a piece of carpet and take me for a walk and bury me in the swamp. I could hear them talking about where are we going to put them. And then I was told, if any more from you, we'll find you, we'll put you in the swamp, no one will find you. And uh, from there, I walked out, broken, into the hospital, and then um, you know, I heard this deep voice inside my spirit saying, get them all. And so I rang one of my Lebanese friends in Sydney and I said, listen, I'm in a spot of bother and uh, 
can you get me a 7.62 full metal jackets? I want grenades. I want a rocket launcher. I want 28 grams of methamphetamine. And he goes, you sound pretty messed up. And I said, yeah, I'm on my way out. I'm checking out. I'm going out in the blaze of glory. And, um, you know, as I was sitting there, I rang one of my friends, and you know my friend Wayne, and yeah. um, and he said, this is just insane, Owen. Um, and I said, you know what, I just it's okay. He said, you can't stay at my place. And uh, so I, I got myself a room, and I locked, and I smoked methamphetamine for a week. And then in that part of that journey, I didn't really know God or anything at that time. God had shown me all these fatherless children. I was about to kill all these people. Uh, that tried to kill me, and I felt real stink. And so I thought, oh, I'm just going to ring my mum. I rang my mum, and she goes, how you going, boy? I said, you're not too good. She goes, um, uh, are you going back to prison? I said, yeah, and I'm going back to prison. I said, sorry, I'm, I'm just, my life is just a train wreck, and uh, I'm an embarrassment to you, and um, I'll see you later, eh? She goes, why don't you come home? I said, yeah, I'll see you soon. So I went to the drawer. I picked one of my guns, a forty five. And uh, I loaded I loaded the clip up with full metal jackets, and um, I went down to the beach. It was twelve o'clock at night. I put the put the gun underneath my chin, said some nasty things to the god that sits up in the clouds that I could not see, and uh, it basically said "f you." And I pulled the trigger, and it went click. And then I opened the clip up, and there was one stuck in the chamber. I I, I blew it off into the um, I fired the round into the into the sand, and then. Man, this is what came out of my mouth. God, if you're real, help me. I don't, I don't know who you are. But if you're real, I'll give this up and serve you. When I went to sit down, in my back pocket was this lump. And uh, I pulled it out. And uh, it just happened to be a little Gideon's Bible. And uh, I hadn't worn those pants for quite some time. And uh, it brought back a memory of a friend that came to my place that I used to smoke drugs with. And he knocked on the door. And I answered the door and I said, come in. Because anybody came to my place, come to smoke drugs. And he goes... Bro, don't be offended, but I've, I'm not coming to your place ever again. I said, why is that? He goes, you're going to laugh at me, Owen, but I'm going to church. I started laughing. <laughs> I said, you're off your head. And then uh, he goes, but I've got you a gift, Owen. I thought, sweet. He usually brings nice, good drugs with him, Owen. But he pulled out this little book, and I went, what the hell's that? He goes, it's a Bible. What do you want me to do with that? He goes, you can read it if you like. I said, mate, why would I want to read something like that? You're off your head. So anyway, I had this book in my hand, so I looked around to make sure no one was looking. I'd never really read a Bible before, and I just said, God, can you can you just, can you you just, talk to me? And I just randomly opened the page, and where I put my finger was this. It was in Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll be no evil. For you, O Lord, are with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me. I'll tell you what, I don't know what a rod and staff is. I know nothing about the Bible, but the valley facing some sort of death, well, that was speaking to me because the gun wouldn't go off. And so um, as I sat there in my desperation, God used uh, people to, to win uh, me to him. And uh, so my friend Bruce was traveling with Pastor Ken, and I had an argument in the car, and he said, listen, I'm sick of you, Pastor Ken. Stop the car. He, he actually was wanting to rumble with him. He wanted to fight him, and he goes, get out of the car. And so Pastor Ken said, why would I want to get out of my car? Listen, you just get out of my car. Get out. So as he hopped out of the car, you wouldn't believe it, he gets attacked by a magpie because he's got a glass earring in his ear. And he's got all his feathers going everywhere. He's screaming, make the bird stop. Make the bird stop. And Pastor King, what the hell's going on here? He's looking at the side of the car and he's getting attacked by a magpie. His ear's being attacked. And um, he goes, look, get in the car, Bruce. Stop being stupid. So now Bruce is in the car and he's thinking, you know what, I don't really want to be in this car with Pastor King. So he thought, 
I really want to be over Owen's place smoking drugs, right? Yeah. So he goes, um, I, I know someone you can speak to about Jesus. He goes, oh, yeah? And he goes, who? He goes, my mate Owen. He goes, oh, we can tell me Owen. He goes, well, the bikers hate him. He's going to prison for armed robberies. He's got guns. And uh, he's smacked on methamphetamine. So Pastor King goes, can you take me to see him? Bruce goes, let's go there now. Because Bruce is thinking, this pastor's going to get a punch in the nose. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, he came to my place and Bruce knocked on the door, just like my other friend. I said, yeah, bring some brothers down the back there. As I looked out the door, I saw this man sitting in his car, this old man. I said, hey, hey, Bruce, who's that fellow sitting in the car out there? He goes, oh, that's Pastor King. I said, what do you mean, pastor? He said, he's a preacher. I went, oh, does, does he want to puff on the pipe? Does he want to come inside for a puff? He goes, bro, he's a man of God. And I went, what's you bring him my house for? <laughs> what does he want? And he didn't answer me. I thought, oh, that's dumb. So I'm, answered the, I opened the door up and I yelled out, oi, come up here. <laughs> I was rough as, and um, he started to walk up the stairs and he knew my name. He goes, Owen, is it? I said, yeah. He goes, boy, I heard a lot about you. I said, yeah, what have you heard? He said, I hear you can't sleep at night and you're always in trouble with the police. And that was true. I said, what, are you a preacher or something? He goes, yeah, man, I'm Pastor King. I said, listen, I don't mean to be rude, but what do you want? What did you come here for? He goes, don't be offended, but I'll come to pray for you. <laughs> I started laughing. I went, pray about what? He goes, pray that you'd have an encounter with Jesus. I said, you're a crazy fella, eh? He goes, yeah, man, I'm crazy as. He'll set you free. Free from what? <laughs> he, goes, he goes, come on, what are you afraid of? And I said, well, not you. He goes, well, well come on, just let me pray. And I went, you want to come inside and smoke some crack? <laughs> he goes, I'm not coming inside to smoke crack. He goes, I want to pray for you. So I went, come on then, crazy man, pray for me. So um, I had a radical encounter. It was like someone, I got knocked out by the power of God. It was like wow. in the doorstep. No one touched me. And um, one of my bad gangster friends come out. He's seen this old man over the top of me. He's drawn his nine mil, pointed his head and said, how come he's on the ground? The pastor said, well, why don't you ask him? He goes, well, it doesn't look like he's saying much there, does it? He goes, did you punch him in the nose? He goes, I, I never punched him in the nose. I just asked if I could pray for him. My friend goes, pray about what? He goes, pray I want to have an encounter with Jesus. He goes, no, nah, man, you're off your head. So anyway, when I get off the ground, the pastor said, Owen, would you like a hug? I went, would I like a what? He goes, I want to give you a hug. <laughs> he goes, are you gay or something? <laughs> he goes, I'm not gay. I just want to show you some love. Anyway, here's some advice for you. If you're if a pastor or a priest asks you for your telephone number, don't give them your telephone number. <laughs> Every day my phone would ring and I'd be with my gangster friends and be like, yeah, get a load of this. It's that priest. It's that priest. Yeah. He wants us to come sing and dance in his building or something. <laughs> this guy's absolutely insane. And um, whenever the doorbell would ring at our place, it's usually undesirable drug addicts or police. But most of the time, it's the pastor king. And oh. if it was your turn to look out the side of the curtain and that pastor was on our doorstep, you'd get, don't open the door, don't open the door, that priest is on the doorstep. It's the priest. So all these gangsters would hide behind the chairs. They've all got guns. I know, they're, they're I love being, it. I mean, they're more scared of yeah. God than they are of the, or, you know, pastor can representing God than they were of the, you know, of other yeah. criminals or the cops. I love it. <laughs> it's so funny. And then uh, we would just wait there until he goes away, but it took him a while to, to go away. Now, all the time, every week I'm in court, I'd pay the lawyers dirty money to tell lies about me all the time. So I'm sitting in the courtroom, and as I look to the right, there's two ladies, two little old ladies sitting in the courtroom, and I'm thinking, 
they must be in the wrong courtroom. I'm looking around, and there's no one else but me there. And so I thought, what are you smiling at me for? So I um, built some courage up, and I went to one of the ladies, are you in the right courtroom? The lady goes, yeah, you're Owen. I said, yeah, that's my name. She says, we're Pastor Ken's friends. I went, oh, my God, it's the Christians. <laughs> Christians. And she goes, do you know Pastor Ken? I said, yeah, I know Pastor Ken. What do you want? She said, we just want to come support you today. I said, do you know why I'm here? No, listen, I'm not really a nice person. I've got guns. I'm a violent person. does armed robberies. I smoke crack, and I'm going to prison for a long time. And the lady goes, do you, do you know Jesus loves you? I thought, oh, my God, here's the Jesus stuff again. And so I, um, <laughs> so I just turned away, and I went home that night, tried to smoke crack, in the morning, Pastor Ken rang me, but this time I picked it up and he goes, how you going on? I said, not good. He goes, well, what's happening? Well, I've done something real stupid last night, didn't I? He goes, what'd you do? Tossed my crack. <laughs> he goes, what happened? I said, do you know I could not get high last night? I tried everything. This is the best stuff you can get. He goes, well, Owen, I've been praying for you. I said, <laughs> oh, you've been what? He goes, I've been praying for you. I said, you're the reason why I can't get high. Listen here, priest. Stop Listen it. Here, Pastor Ken. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell you, don't even ring my phone. Don't even come to my place. Stop sending little old ladies to the courtroom. I'm not interested. And stop and goes, praying for like me. Come- <laughs> yeah, would you like to come to our house? I said, what for? He goes, I'd like to take you somewhere special. I said, yeah, where's that? He goes, wouldn't be special. I couldn't take you. I said, listen, Pastor Ken, I get angry. You don't want to see me angry. This has got to stop. Just this once, right? So he came and picked me up. And um, he goes, you ever read the Bible before? I said, not interested. He goes, just read the book of John. I don't know if you've read an old King James Bible before. But I um, I went away into the room. I opened the pages up, looked at the words and went, oh, my gosh, what a stupid book. I couldn't understand it. So I just threw it on the ground. A couple of hours later, I picked it up. Nothing was registering. The words were in. And then he knocked on the door. It was 10 o'clock. He goes, let's go. I said, go where? He goes, to the special place. I said, it's 10 o'clock at night. And he goes, yeah. So we jumped in the car and we started to go towards Coolangatta. And I used to drink at the Coolangatta pub there. And I thought, surely, do you want to go in there for a drink? He goes, we're not going to the pub. <laughs> hey? He goes, we're not going to the pub. I looked across the road and there was the neon lights. The girls, right? I went, do you want to go watch the girls dance? He goes, we're definitely not going to the script club. <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> I thought, this is crazy. Where are we going? We came to this park eh? and there was all these homeless people like me. I didn't get out of the car and I just watched them from the car and whatever he was doing, he was doing. When he came back, I said, come on, man, it's late at night. What are you trying to show me? And he goes, Owen, do you know anything about Jesus? I went, are you Jesus? <laughs> he goes, I'm not Jesus, but have a look over the back seat. What do you see? Blankets, clothes, and sandwiches. And he goes, you haven't met my wife, Jeannie, at Owen, but she made those sandwiches and every Friday night we like to come out here in the hope that we could find people that have lost their way in life and become a source of hope for them. I said, you don't even know their names. He goes, it's not important, but if people were to try and understand what Jesus would be like living in us, we'd, we'd be a demonstration of kindness and generosity. In that moment, my life, I could see it like a movie theater, look at picture. Man, I was, I was so challenged. And I said, Pastor King, can you help me? He goes, well, Owen, don't be offended, but this is what I know about you, son. He goes, you're a drug addict. I said, yeah, sure. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm a drug addict. He goes, looks like you've got many problems. I said, yeah, man, I've got many problems. He said, uh, you're probably going back to prison. I said, yeah, I'm waiting to go back to prison. He said, do you have peace in your life? I said, man, I don't have any peace. I'm, it's a never-ending cycle bullshit. I'm always in trouble with the law. I'm always got to see handcuffs on. I'm always, I'm on drugs, man, I'm messed up. He goes, come on, we'll talk about it in the morning. 
So in the morning, I bought his big black book out the Bible, threw it on the table and said, book full of words, don't mean nothing to me. So he gave me this book with kids kids pictures on it, kids Bible. I really appreciate that book, right? I went away and he said, read that one then. So and I started to read these pictures, but there were two pictures that really challenged my eyes and my heart. One of the pictures, there was this one person in the middle, obviously Jesus, bashed, covered in blood, and all these angry looking faces staring at him. And I thought, nah, he's done something wrong. That's why they give him a beating. He's got a hiding because he's done something wrong. Right? And um, the next picture, he's on this big wooden thing called the cross, but there was a caption said, Father, forgive them. So I'm looking at that first picture thinking, no way. How could you forgive people if they put you on that thing? So I came out and said, listen, your, your storybooks don't mean nothing to me, Pastor Ken. He's done something wrong. That's why they're hiding. My story's going to end differently. Those bikers who try to kill me, I'm going to waste them all. He goes, could you forgive them? I said, hell no. <laughs> and he goes, I said, this is just bullshit. I don't need this. And I started to walk to the door and he goes, you don't have to go. And I turned around and said, why is that? And he goes, you can stay here if you're like my wife and I would love you. And I paused and I went, how could you love something like me? Can I ask you some questions about the God that sits up in the clouds that you can see who I don't know? Because yeah, you said he was holy, right? He goes, yeah, God's holy. I said, well, I'm not holy. Second question, you tell me that Jesus loves people? He said, yeah. I said, nobody told me they loved me when I was homeless in the streets of Sydney. Do you think Jesus could love something messed up like me? And he goes, yeah. And the third question was, I'm having a hard time trying to understand what you know about me, Pastor Ken. I've still got guns. I'm a violent person. I'm going to prison for armed robberies. Why don't you pick somebody else on the park bench? Why me? He said, you're not going to understand these words, but God has a purpose and plan for your life to give you hope in the future. I'll tell you what, I didn't understand those words in the Bible, the words that he was speaking, but I knew that he cared. I wasn't interested in the church or even, even that Bible. But if that's what Jesus looked like living in him, feeding the poor and clothing the homeless, well, man, I was challenged by what I saw. I saw love in action, and I thought, man, I yeah, need love some of that. Action. Well, people yeah, listening, so it never just happens. So love in wake action. Up. This is yeah. so important, Owen, because I, I'm just, I've got this thing that pisses me off that people are, oh, kindness. I'm kind. I go bullshit. You're kind in my head. I don't tell them that. I go, what are you actually doing? That's kind. Saying you're kind doesn't make you kind. Love in action. Like, and you, that's what you do. Keep going. Sorry, just had to get yeah, that out there. No, no, that, that, that's that's really true. So. If that was a reflection of that from that book I didn't want to read, Living in Them, well, I saw it. I felt it in my heart, and I thought, man, I need some of that. I'm, and so, um, yeah, I, I, three weeks later, I like he did say, you want to come out the street with us? Oh, nah. It was a process from me, and it's a process for many people because, you know, they didn't try to convince me that I should become a Christian or even know or like God. <laughs> and um, I just didn't know anything they were talking about, but I saw it. And so... um. I plead guilty, eh? And Pastor Ken stood in front of a judge who was asked to leave the courtroom by my embarrassed lawyer because um, he wanted to say, that's not the person that's been uh, you described. Those charges don't reflect who he is. He was able to speak before the judge. He said, I baptized Owen. I brought Owen uh, Christian salvation and we love him. And uh, he's going to do great things for God. If there was any punishment you're about to give Owen, could I bear that punishment? I was looking at 15 years prison. Wow. And what a man. And he's from Tweet oh, Heads. I yeah, love yeah. this man, Pastor Ken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was so empowering. I started to cry. Nobody said kind things about me. This broken, hard man. All of a sudden, he's saying nice things about me. I mean, he was willing to go to prison for me. 
And wow. um, the judge acknowledged, he said, most times when people come to court and tell me they've had a transformation to a Christianity or something, I don't really believe in many of the people, but I believe the story today I've talked about you. And he said, but in fact, um, these serious, these charges are so serious that we can't have people who aren't police officers robbing drug dealers in the community with guns. I sent you five years, not 15, 18 months to serve with a lifetime ban from Australia. I want to tell you, Sonia, that the word of God has more power than a fist and a gun. Yes. As in, I was trying to remember the stories that Pastor Ken was telling me about this Jesus, how tough he was, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I, I stood up in front of all these prison full of uh, gangsters in a prison cell, police prison cell. I said, you know, there's no one tougher than Jesus, eh? They all laughed. <laughs> they said, yeah, how's that? I said, well, he didn't need a patch on his back. He was light. He could walk through darkness. And um, when he came before the judge called Pontius Pilate, the pilot goes to him, do you say you're a king, do you? And Jesus rudely says, did they tell you that? And so Pontius Pilate goes, don't you know, I've got authority to have you bashed and put on this, put on a cross. And he goes, actually, you don't have any authority. It was given to you by my father. And you don't take life from me. I freely lay it down and I can take it up. That's some powerful stuff. Yeah, that and is so power. And so when I'm sitting in this, I'm looking at these guys and they're thinking, oh my God, this guy's lost the plot on the ice, right? <laughs> Become a Jesus freak. But I was just telling them that there's no one tougher than Jesus. And when I went back to the cell, I'm speaking to this God that I can't see. I said, yeah, do you know, I think they're all afraid of you, God. <laughs> When I mentioned the word Jesus, they all shrink back like little snakes. Yeah. <laughs> but they probably it. were thinking, oh, and smashed on the ice. I want to tell you, I led 81 men to the Lord. That was in, in Brisbane, wasn't it? That was in Brisbane? Yep. Yeah. Yep. 81 men who were just like me, don't want nothing to do with God, hate God. And um, do you know what the common theme with most people is when you're telling them about God's love? What? God would, doesn't listen to my prayers. I've cried out to him many times and I'm too bad. That's what the excuses are, and it was mine too. And that's why they do what I want to inquire of God because they say He doesn't hear me. Well, I cried out to Him, He doesn't hear me, but He does. And so um, when I when I came back to New Zealand in 2009, I was escorted by an armed escort federal police. I was brought back in New Zealand, just the sandals on my feet. The Lord stripped me of what we call Noah's riches. He stripped me of bikes, cars, riches. I came back with nothing. <laughs> and the Lord said, if you don't work, you can't eat. And so I, um, I got a job, and then six, six, uh, six or eight weeks later, the Lord said, I want you to leave that work. And I said, hey, Mum. She goes, yeah. And I said, I'm going to leave that job. She goes, boy, that's a really good job. It's good money. And I said, yeah. And she goes, what are you going to do? She's puffing on a cigarette. I said, I'm going to work for God. Well, she just about died on the spot. She goes, you got to what? I said, I'm going to work for God. She said, doing what? I said, I don't know. He said, he's going to send me around the world. And she said, how's he going to do that with no money? And criminal convictions, not 12 pages. I said, I don't know. This is what he just told me. She told everyone, my friends and family, Owen's lost the plot. There's two things I know about prison. You're either going to come out twice as bad or you become a Jesus freak, right? And I was Jesus freak, right? And um, through the words, Sonia, to this day, 10 years I've been serving since leaving prison. I've been to 50 nations okay. around the world. And one of them you've been to. Um, Romania, I'll never forget. We're going back to Romania to, to finish off what I'm about to share with you. And um, this has got God's hand upon it. I want to tell you, nothing's impossible. People say, how could you travel with criminal convictions? I said, only by the grace of God and the kindness of people in high places who can say yes to any applications. And, um, and because I was just stupid enough to listen to God's impossibilities, you know, I mean, how is that going to happen? By faith. 
I stepped into the realm of the supernatural, which was, Lord, what have you created me for? And he goes, when you know me, I'm going to send you back into these dark places where people hate me. They want anything to do with me. You're going to meet antichrist-spirited people or people who don't want to know anything about me. And he said, you're going to be a demonstration of what Pastor Ken uh, showed you. And he said, you'll be a reflection of what my kindness and generosity looks like. You'll be a church with no walls. And, um, and you're going to meet people everywhere around the world who know my name. And they live a life according to you know, his purpose and plan, which is restoration. We have restoration ministries, which means we restore people's lives, not so that they can, uh, we can try and convince them that they should love God or even know God, but it's in the action part. Many people say, you're a Christian, eh, Owen? I said, you better believe it. How come you're not like all them religious people who try and shove that stuff down our throat? I said, listen, I believe what they believe in. The word of God is powerful, man, but I, I don't want to try and convince you of anything. I'm just, I'm a demonstration of what he could look like. I'm hopefully that you'd see a facet of, of, what he's like living in me. He's kind, man. He's generous. It wasn't the wrath of God saying, you're going to send you some pit called hell. Yeah. It was the goodness of God that came upon my life and he used people. <laughs> uh, and I think everybody listening needs to know what, uh, how Owen spends his days and nights is how no other people would do it. On the streets in New Zealand, the freezing cold, going under the bridge, climbing under bushes, finding, taking care of, looking after homeless people. And, that, and that, the most broken people, Owen will go anywhere to find them and to love on them and to take care of them. Like the people that you, you would be too scared to even go near. He finds them, the nonverbal, the, the the really, really messed up people that are just – Owen would, would never – he would never turn his back on anybody. And that's what he does. That's what he does 24-7. He is an open door for God's love and – helping people and taking care of them and making them feel worthy that they have hope, they have value, um, and they're worth fighting for. And I'm so, and like, you know, I do a little bit of – but I, I I applaud you. I would be too scared to go under the bridge. I mean, like, you know, Owen, you are just, you are remarkable and I'm so grateful, really, that, that you exist on this earth. Look, think about all the people that you have helped. Nobody would have helped them. You know, Listen, Tonya, I, I, I visited a house not that long ago and someone said, can you go and visit this house? And, and the, the, it was a gang family. I, I'd never seen grass growing up the, the, the back end of the house and the kids' the tummies, they were swelling and they had no food, they had no floorboards, they had no power, they didn't have anything in the cupboards and I had a box full of food and the, and the wife, she didn't even speak to me but she acknowledged that it was someone with some food for her kids. And so she let me in the door and, and, and the kids ripped open the box and they said, Mummy, we've got milk. Oh, poor oh man, I started to cry. I was like, oh, my God. You. you know I mean? I thought, and this, this wahine was so hard in the face, she couldn't even cry. She was trying to hold back the tears that someone had thought about her. And I didn't have to say anything to her. And um, I couldn't even give her a hug. That's how broken she was. The windows were all broken and... and uh, I just, I just sat there and I thought, thank you, God, thank you. you, you could use me. Yeah. And you're using lots of other people. You know, I just stayed 12 years of my life, so you know, I hadn't been able to cry. I became so hardened in my heart. Yeah. And now God uses not only me but many people and we go to these places and people are so embarrassed about their life. They don't know how to ask for help. No. 
And so they would rather suffer in their pain. But when it comes to their kids, do you know what I mean? I know that they, they would they would sell themselves to feed their kids. And so I think it's a real privilege and an honour that we can speak to just people and um, just love on them, really. And what's happening now Anybody? with that family? Is there hope? Um, they, Is there... They, they are really yeah, they, they're, they're, they're really good now. And so all the kids are educated and so they have a support network. Right. So what we can do now is we bring a support network in. They're really good at restoring people's lives and teaching them life skills. But usually um, it's it's just the love. People need to know that people care. It's not about a Christian thing. It's just a human no, thing. No, it's, that's and, right. Um, and so uh, I've built networks here in New Zealand and around the world that uh, people just like myself. Listen, when I tell stories, there's many people that are attached to these stories that I'm sharing with you without the help and sponsorship of people to put petrol in my car, put food in the, in, in the back of the car, donating all these things. And I couldn't do what I'm doing. God has empowered people to partner in the work that I do. And so as fast as it comes in, man, it goes out. And so mm-hmm. when the nations are open again, you know, we're back up to Iraq, we're back into Russia, we're back into all these places. North and Korea, to you've been, you, yes. you, go, you go where, you know, I, I, I can see your backstory because people, you are tough and you are the way you are because people will be too fearful to go to North Korea and Russia and all these dangerous places, Romania. But you go, you know, like I, I'm not equipped to go there. I Romania is my limit, you know. Um, but So can you see that? I'm sure you can see that, that, that you're, there is a reason you, yeah, he's using your past to... Yeah, you know. Yeah, he cleaned us up so he can go back into yeah. church before. So most people are not going to come to the buildings we know no. what they call church. Yeah. And so we've become a church with, without walls. I want to tell you, like when I went to the Mungle Mob just recently, the first thing that they did, that's where I had this guy's preacher. You know what they did to me? They tested me straight away. They put a long neck bottle of beer <laughs> across the table and said, do you have a beer with the brothers? I said, yep. Really? Sure. <laughs> That yeah. opened the door for me to walk out of Sergeant Arms because of religious people that have had mindsets to think like, oh, we can, but yeah. do I drink? No, not, not really, but I don't mind having a beer. Yeah. You know, when my, I don't answer to anybody's religious practices. And so, like, that's opened the door for me to be able to go inside households that would never, ever invite a pastor or a preacher yeah. into their house. Yes. And so, you know, God uses amazing things too. Like, um, one of the gifts that the Lord has given to me is, is to be able to know something about someone else. Lord, show me something about that yeah. person. Only they know. Yes, that's and so powerful. They just told me they hate you. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they just say, look, look listen, I'm going to share a picture with you. It doesn't mean anything to me, but like the other day it was Pink Rabbit. And the guy freaked out. He goes, how'd you know that about me? I said, I don't know anything about you. I just asked the Lord, give me something that only you would know. It doesn't mean anything to me, the Pink Rabbit. But And he goes, well, it does to me. And I said, whoa. And he's looking around the room like, Ricky, are you some sort of fortune teller or something? I'm saying like, no, I can hear God's voice. He speaks to me in pictures. He speaks to me in lyrics and music. It doesn't have to be Christian music. Yeah. It's because every time I'm walking somewhere, I'm saying like, God, use me today. Show me someone something about someone that's going that yeah. you, you're knocking on their door of their heart, so they know you're real. Wow. And it's a fantastic gift that you you can steward. All these gifts that God gives you, and even the resources and finances. They're all for us to steward people's kindness. Yeah. It's not mine. It's no, that's what, that's who I think. It's buy not them mine. Food. Yeah, yeah, buy them food. Get them shoes. Yeah, nothing feels as nothing. good. Nothing feels as good as helping somebody. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, man. 
it's true. Tony, I'm rugged as, as you know, I'm rugged as, but I, 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 I wear dandles and I wear them unshaven. I'm rugged. I love it. I just, I don't have any expectations for anything, but I want to meet people who have stories and, and they share them with me. Oh, yeah, man, I remember just like yesterday, God's kindness towards me, man, I cried out and he heard and he came in the form of people, living people. <laughs> Wow. So, what about um, Jacinta in the PM in New Zealand? What is she? Does she know about your incredible ministry? You you go all over New Zealand helping the homeless people and crying out for, you know, the, the places and you you know what's going on? What what, what practical stuff? Well, tonight we're on the project. Uh, TV TV uh, came yesterday to to capture heart of the community. I said, listen, don't tell the story unless you tell about the many people that that uh, help us. Because it's not about Owen Pumana. No, I'm no. just one of many, and there's people that have many ministries like mine doing great stuff that don't have a social media platform. I only use social media to tell good stories. You do. And instantly, when I ask for a need, it's met instantly yep. from people who who want to connect and want to do something good within the community. So I wrestled with that because check this out. God is so humble. He said, "Don't don't do your gifts before men to be seen of men." He says, you do things for me. He goes, I'll reward you openly. So he says, do things in secretly. Yeah. Don't sound a trumpet. But for me, I'm sounding the biggest trumpet that there is. And I said, well, but what about this? Then he goes, yeah, but I know that you honor me. You can tell my stories through kindness and generosity. And I know that you're stewarding it. And so I thought, oh, yeah, I can work with that. I just want to tell your stories. I want to be humble enough to share yeah. about many other people's stories. So that's what I do. <laughs> that's awesome. What, what advice have you got for somebody that's listening Um how they can help somebody's tr- troubled or lonely. Well, listen, you Active. can connect with Sonia. You, you. There's, there's many ways that you, we don't have to reinvent the wheels. Find out who's doing uh, amazing stuff within your community. Okay, so this is the deal: you to restore people's lives. Uh, they don't have to be homeless and broken within their and the streets homeless. Yeah, we've got people in their homes don't know how to deal with life life problems, and so yeah. find people who can. Um, who, are, who have life skills or can mentor you. Listen to people whose stories, testimonies, which can inspire you and encourage you. And find people who, who are not judgmental, who can um, help you navigate through some of the problems that you're, uh, you're, you're facing. So I, I rely heavily on connection. I have people yeah. that mentor me as well that speak into my life and tell me off and how are you really thinking, how are you really doing, Owen, and so stuff like that. And I am, um, so you know, I'm well connected with, with people who I value and um, who'll speak truth into me, keep me humble and keep me on fire. But the other thing too is, is you've got to have joy in your life. You've got to find something outside of this stuff that we do. For me, it's snowboarding with my brother, Derek. <laughs> and yeah. um, and uh, so you, you have to have a, 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 a an offload where you can yeah. keep your mind outside of the things that you're working alongside, especially community stuff I do. You, you've got to have a place where you can just offload, Rest. have yeah, fun, yeah. have joy. Uh, oh, absolutely. You manage that so well. You don't get burned out. Because I think no. I think you also rely heavily on not your own strength, but God's strength and the power of prayer. And I know people go, oh, the universe, whatever. Okay, whatever it mm. is you call, just the power of prayer is my message. If you just stand in the shower, put your arms in there, and if you don't even know who the hell you're praying to, just pray. Just say, show me. 
just cry out, just say, show me if there is a God or if there's some something that loves me, show me to the higher power, show me. And just let it unravel because when you ask, you will receive. I 100% know that to be true, you know? Yeah, you have to be honest to yourself in the position where you are right now. How are you really going? Yeah. What in your life do you want to legacy you want to leave behind? Yeah. All right, because we know about we ourselves, me, myself, and I, but when you – when you focus, and that's important too, but when you focus on a community working together for other people's needs, serving a community, that's powerful stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Everyone wants to be the boss on you, but when you work together, it's better. Absolutely, better Family. together. Well, yeah. we'll leave it there, Owen, but I absolutely adore talking to you. And I know so many stories that we could share um, with mm. the listeners. There's so many, and you have them every day because you're out in the streets every <laughs> single day. Um, helping the most Glory incredible humans, incredible stories. And I well, love um, you guys dearly. Love Australia. I'm coming back one day, remember? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we declare that. But thank you so much, Owen, and God bless you. Thank you, Sonia, and thank you, listeners, and go well. So until next time, tribe, I'm jumping out of the passenger seat, closing the door, going inside and having a vino. Let's get together real soon. God bless.